Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing, share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, we are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, Bonjour. In Spain, Hola. In Italy, Ciao. In Egypt, Athen Wasalan. In Ghana, Akwaba. In Nigeria, Peleo. In South Africa, Saobona. In Senegal, Nangadet. In Kenya, Jambo. In Israel, Shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, Assalamu Alaikum. Greetings, and may peace be upon you all. Back. It's as you know, it's at 6 p.m. here, 
um, in London, and we've had another beautiful, beautiful, gloriously sunny day. So I'm enjoying that, even though I can only see it through the window. <laughs> so I've been working all day. Never mind. Welcome to the Success Strategy Show with me, Zana, on The Female Solution, Worldwide Radio and TV Network. I am the author of Success Strategies for Black People, and I host the annual Blogging Carnival of Nonviolence. And this year, 2023, marks the 10th anniversary of the Blogging Carnival for Nonviolence. So I hope you've got your blog ready, everybody. And I'm your host for today and on the first Saturday of every month. Here on the Success Strategy Show, every month we seek to help you and support you to find solutions to your problems. We are here to help you make 2023 your best year yet. My guest today is Kimberly Evans. To speak with my guest, and if you have a question for my guest, please phone in on 515-605-9325, and then press 1 to get into the host queue, which is my queue. You can also join us on Facebook at The Female Solution and on YouTube at The Female Solution. Um, Kimberly is an expert on parenting and particularly supporting single mothers and their children. So I'm really keen to speak with her. But I, before I do that, I want to give a shout-out to my sister at the microphone, Deborah, who was the engineer for my show last month, the May show, and, of course, to my executive producer, Naima Latif, who's very gifted and incredibly inspiring. Um, and I want to give a special shout-out to Zelda Speaks, another one of my sisters of the microphone. She's promoting the first-ever Homeless Gala, which is being held this evening in Chicago. Homeless Gala is organized by Obliging Care Network, OCN, founded by Ozell Ross, who single-handedly helps the homeless out of her pocket. This is OCN's first annual gala benefit for the homeless, and you're invited. I think it's wonderful that Zelda's helping promote this. And you can find out more at Zelda's Facebook page, the Higher Learning Network, or at the Zelda Speaks Mindfulness blog. My guest today is Kimberly Evans, who is the mother of three adult children and has two granddaughters. Kimberly is currently a counselor in training at Chicago State University and is in her final year. In 2002, Kimberly joined the Chicago Police Department, where she was a patrol officer for nine years. When she realized she was on the wrong end of saving the youth, as well as her own family, she resigned and gained employment as a teacher's assistant with Beacon Therapeutic School been rehired with Chicago Public Schools, where she is currently employed. And in 2021, she established a Lioness in Action, Inc. The goal of the nonprofit is to support single mothers by providing the skills and the importance of education. Sorry, by by providing training and life skills and the importance of education. So I know she's got a lot to share with us today. Giving, giving single mothers and their children the, uh, the tools that are needed to support their mental and emotional health of both the mothers and the children. So welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'm so glad you're joining us today. So I've got some questions for you based on your bio, and I'm really, really interested in what you have to say, and I'm looking for specifics. So the first question is, why did you decide to join the Chicago Police Department? Okay. At the time, um, I had my three children. It was just me. I was working for um, Chicago Public Schools at the time, and at that time, right. they were doing a lot of laying off, and I was nervous. Right. Um, I was like, what is it that I can do to um, make sure I can take care of my children? Um, right, what right, yeah. What can I go into um, that I won't get laid off? And at that time, one of um, my coworkers, she told me that the police department was hiring, and um, I just went and did it. I had no family members on the police department, mm-hmm. um, but I knew what I needed to do for my children. Right, um, right. So that was your priority, looking after them. That was the whole reason why I did it. I did it for money. I did it for um, benefits. So I excellent. could take care of my children and not depend on others. Right, excellent. So, um, and how long were you actually with the police department? Uh, nine years. Nine years, which is quite a long time, actually. Okay, so yeah. what you said is that you realized you were on the wrong end of saving the youth, as well as your own family. Can you explain a little bit about what that means? Yes, what I mean by that is I found myself um, putting handcuffs on juveniles. Um, I found yeah. myself going to juvenile court, and there were so many children in there. You can, I could just mm-hmm. see that. So what it, kind of offenses were you putting handcuffs on children for? Arresting juveniles, um, even for petty things, or even when the juveniles were outside, you know, past curfews. Um, and as far as my own family, I, yeah. um, because of the hours, because of the demand, um, right, because right, right. Of, um, yeah, the schedule, um, I began to lose my own children because I was never home. I was right, never right. Home. And I think that happens a lot with black women is that our sisters are so busy looking after other people's children and who's looking yeah. after our own children. Yeah. My mother was a social worker. She was always out looking at somebody else's children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that happens. I think it happens a lot. I think it's been going on since slavery, really. I don't know. What do you think? I'm sorry. I didn't hear the last one. I said, I think this issue of us looking after other people's children rather than our own has been going on since slavery. What do you think? Well, yes, yes, I I, I believe that, um, mm. which is there's so many other things that we're still doing that were taking yeah. place where slavery. But yes, yeah, taking care absolutely. of other people's children, other people's families, and yeah. I was losing my own, whether it was their mental health or if it was worried about my son who did start um, sneaking out the house when I wasn't home and hanging out on the street. Mm. Mm. the emotional um, trauma that my youngest daughter experienced. Mm. 
Yeah, so that was a lot of um, a lot to deal with, and you're trying to hold down a professional job at the same time. So um, tell me, what kind of ages are you talking about when you said that you were arresting juvenile? And um, I was going out of the door when my youngest daughter was coming in from school. Um, mm-hmm. And she basically, as a, I found a letter of hers some years ago that she had to do for school, and as she said in that letter, she basically raised herself. Right, um, right, yeah. And I had to be at work at 4 o'clock. Really? Wow. And what time did you get home? I would get home maybe. I didn't get off work till 12, and I so did take did. a chance on working in the area that I lived mm. in. Um, so so you, you weren't able to get, give them breakfast in the morning before you went to work, but were you able to give them an evening meal in the evening? I would be asleep. <laughs> Once I got her out from school, then I would come home, and I would be asleep. And by the time I would, mm-hmm. I would cook dinner, and then I'd leave the dinner on the stove, and she would be coming in. I would kiss her, tell her what dinner was, and I would go to work. And when I had a chance, I would check on her. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really ideal, is it, that situation? Oh, no. No, 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 no. We're still dealing with um, all the um, after effects from, from that now. We deal with the emotional trauma that she faced, and she's 26. So are you able to talk to her about it and listen to what she's saying? You said, have I talked to her? Yeah, are you able to discuss it with her now and talk about it and listen to what she's saying? Oh, yeah, we've talked about it. Yes, we've talked about it. I've even apologized. Oh, it's not your fault, Mom. You had to do what you had to do. But, uh, yeah, we've even discussed it, my son and myself also, yeah. So did you say you haven't discussed it at all, or you're discussing it now? We've discussed it in the past. Yeah, yeah. And did you find that helpful at all? In some of the stories they tell me, and I'm just like, oh, my God, really? You know, know, kids get older, we become adults, we tell our parents what we used to do. Yeah, 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 definitely. What kind of stories did they tell you? Um, my son... Um, he would leave out, um, he wouldn't come home until he knew I was almost coming home. Um, Mm -hmm. he got into, um, a lot of fights. He got into fights. He got teased about his mom being a police officer. Um, he went through a lot of, um, yeah, he went, he went, he went through a lot. He went through a lot. And then just trying to prove, trying, and then it, it, it kind of like affected our relationship because he had to prove to his friends, he's a teenage boy, he had to prove to his mm-hmm. friends that he wasn't a mama's, he wasn't a mama's boy, I could stay outside, it don't matter if my mom was police, you know, mm-hmm. so we, we went through a lot, we went through packing up clothes, you have to go, and we went through a lot. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Because I know there's things that I never told my parents that I got up to on the way home from school. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people think about the effects, um, even with single moms, that um, I know now. And they have to do what they have to do. They have to work. That's right. They have to do what they have to do to keep a roof over there. Five children. And she worked night. You know? And it's just. 
Yeah, well, my mother was not a single parent, but my parents both worked for the, well, my dad worked for the state, my mom worked for the city, New York City, and they were not there in the daytime, you know, and when they were there, it was at nighttime, but we didn't really have good interaction, especially with my mom. So at no point did anyone ask me, how do I feel about the fact that I have to go to bed early, earlier than uh, my, you know, the other yeah. children at school, because I have to get up earlier so that both of my parents can go to work. How do I feel about that? And whether you're a single parent or whether you have got a partner there, you know, there's still certain pressures. They wanted us to have a certain kind of lifestyle. They had a mortgage to pay off, all those things. So they did what they had to do. You got them. You know, and I'm the oldest, so there were a lot of responsibilities on me. There's a lot of um, things in my youth that I did not do and I did not participate mm-hmm. in because yeah. I, had that, I had to be that second mother. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because your mom was out working? Yeah, my mom working, and, and she doesn't have a vehicle. She's on public transportation, and I have that younger sister, and Two younger sisters. Um, so a lot of things I didn't, lot of things I didn't do, including going on my prom. I always throw that out there. Like, hey, cool, going on my prom. So <laughs> they were oh, the things yeah. that I did. they did. Um, I didn't at the time know that I wasn't supposed to do it, and I didn't mm-hmm. realize that as I got older. Like, I never remember complaining. It's mm-hmm. like it was something mm-hmm. that families. You had all these responsibilities on you, and you were only a youngster yourself, and, you know, you just got on with it, right? You didn't yeah. complain, you just got on with it, right? Yeah, yeah, I just got on with it. I, 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 would work, I would get out of school, high school, and I would take um, public transportation to pick my baby sister up from my grandmother's house. That was a train and two buses. I would get wow. back. Wow. Getting her and getting back home, and my mother teaching me how to cut a chicken over the phone. Wow. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Until recent years, that I didn't think anything was wrong. Yeah, that's right. You just get on with it because that's all we know, right? Right. John, you've got a you got a caller. Did you want to take the caller? Uh, caller yeah, please. I'm not I'm not in the studio at the moment. Can you let this oh, person in, please? Uh, all right. Well, I will open your mic. Area code three one two six three two. Your mic is open. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your question or comment for our guest, Kimberly what Evans. What are we our- um, discussing? What is the topic today? I got it a little bit late. Uh, we're, we're talking about with- work which Kimberly Evans is doing with single parents and their children, particularly single mothers and their children. Sorry, what is your name? Admiral Nelson Bay. Okay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sister Jana. Um, parents and children should be afforded the financial, economic, psychological in terms of mental health care uh, provisions to accommodate them completely. The people shouldn't have to work a nine-to-five for the man in order to keep a roof over their head and, you know, food on the table and Mm -hmm. live a dignified level 
of life. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but then there are those who would say, well, why should the taxpayer be paying for somebody else's children? I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. That is what some people would say. So what you know, Dr. Charlie Ward, you know, Dr. Charlie Ward, he's a British fellow. Dr. Not Charlie Ward. Of him, no. He um, informed me about what is called the quantum financial system, the whole uh, SWIFT system of um, international central banking is um, evolving into one that's going to be backed by um, metals such as gold and silver and other um, commodities and actual assets. I say all of that to say that the concept of taxpayers putting the bill is um, – you know, it's it's tapering off. It's it's not going to be that way of um, of um, economics. Well, that's it's important really to understand. To Who would finance it then? It's going to be financed by what is called the Federated State Bank of North America mm-hmm. and the Federated State Banks of Africa. Okay. And it's going to be backed by gold. There's a company. I think it's in Denver, Colorado, called goldback.com. Naima, did you get my um, text message earlier this morning? Uh, If it came earlier this morning, I do believe I did. Uh, I haven't had a chance to absorb everything. But uh, from what I know. Check out goldcare.com. That's um, Simone Gold. Uh, She's doctor's... um, Physicians, I forget the name of her organization. It's important just to invoke it so I can say it. But um, you know, the thing, the thing about it, of, though, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand the point you're making, but I think even if we have another uh, financial system, there's still the attitudes that people have, and there's a lot of blaming of yeah. women have children and no help from a husband as if it's their fault that the yeah. father of the children isn't doing his job. Now, it could be, I mean, single parenting isn't, isn't a new thing. You had men in the military that had to leave their families, and so the yeah. mother had to take everything. You have men who die early because that happens. You've got a dangerous job or, or sickness or whatever, and you die. I mean, that happens. Uh, you yeah. have men who end up incarcerated. And, you know, they, they're not there for their children. So there are a lot of reasons why men may be absent. Uh, but, but the thing that the society tends to do is to blame the woman as if it's her fault that the That's man right. is not. That's right. I think there's a lot of blaming of the fathers as well. Though. I mean, I remember President Obama being very critical of black fathers and saying, well, you know, they don't pay for their own children. And I don't remember him mentioning Mick Jagger who had to be taken to court by two different mothers of his children because he wasn't paying enough child support and he's a multimillionaire. He's not right. a black father. But I'm just saying I do think black fathers get blamed as well sometimes. Maybe white fathers do as well. You know, sometimes they're called deadbeat dads. They may or may not be deadbeats. That's true. And, and because, Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of men who... They don't have employment for various reasons. You know, industries leave. I mean, when we have 
whole industries go over, go abroad where the labor is cheaper, that means mm. jobs. That means family income falls apart. Sometimes the the husband and wife, you know, they're at odds because of that because there's a stress that's involved. And then sometimes the government makes it it, it worse by offering assistance to the family if the father's not there. So we know that that's exactly. classic. Exactly. Like and this that. has been going on for generations. And I remember, I think it was the novelist, Tony K. Bambara, who was talking one day. This was back in the 80s she was speaking. But this stuff has been going on since at least the 60s, if not before, that the man, the man or the woman from the welfare comes around, and the man has to hide in the closet or hide under the bed to pretend that he's not there. And these are fathers who actually want to be there for their children. They want to be present for their children, but the state is requiring them to be absent. And yes. I remember back in the 60s, there was a lot of that. Yes. And we all know and, and, and it is still happening today. I mean, I have really? to I, I talked to one of my bonus daughters, and she's 40, and she has Section 8. And there's only so much that she can do right now. She mm-hmm. can't, you know, she has to lie or whatever on the application about not being with anybody, not being with a man, where's the child's father, haven't seen the child's father, father dead, you know, women, they put on applications, you know, father died, all type of things. Yeah, so she, yeah, yeah, father left home, never knew him. Yeah. Uh, I remember doing that. I remember doing that mm-hmm. when I was a teen, when I found out about public assistance because my mother was not on public assistance. She couldn't get on public assistance for whatever reason. She was making too much money, but we didn't have tissue in the house. Mm. We didn't have food in the house. My mother went pretty mm. nice, and I was unaware that. I'm like, Mom, you're not going to eat, and she'll say, I'll wait till you all are full. Mm. But they would not get her food. You know, so it's mm. it, it, That's true. But this is ways in which the state has an impact on families, and sometimes it's disproportionately on black families. And again, these are patterns that have gone on since slavery, that black families would be broken up. The father would be sold one place, or the mother would be sold someplace else, or the children would be sold to someplace else. And black families were being broken up. And it's, you know, this is, again, I think it's a long-standing pattern. I'm not saying it only happens to black people, but I think sometimes it helps to happen disproportionately to our people. What do you think? Right. And I only knew to say what I learned. You're not doing nothing for her. 
are you not this? You don't buy this. You don't pay child support. I would say, how do you do that to so then I picture my sixteen year old son, like, how would how? He could not. He couldn't be there. He couldn't do it. Right, right, right. Okay. So um after the break I wanna to talk to you about this some more. Um what I'd like to know, please Kimberly, is when you talk about arresting juveniles, what kind of age range are you talking about? You said when I talk about arresting juveniles, what what kind of age range did you have to arrest? Oh, these are like twelve and thirteen. Hmm. Yeah. These are like twelve and thirteen year olds. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Okay, can we take a break, please, Naiman? I'm going to try and get in the studio while we have a little break, yeah? Okay, well, I'll run the commercials while you're uh, pulling up your studio. And thank you thank you so much for your call, Andrew. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yeah, yes, definitely. And, and thank you very much for your call. Absolutely. And, and if you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1. Let us know you have something to say. And if you are watching us on Facebook or YouTube on The Female Solution, write in your comments and we will share them with our listening and viewing audience. We appreciate you all so much. You are listening to Success Strategies with Jana, talking about helping single mothers and their children. And our guest today is former police officer Kimberly Evans. We'll be right back. So stay with us. Hi, 
This is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash The Media Connection TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. Global Radio TV Show invites you to an invigorating conversation with our team of hosts Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Start your week with Monday Morning Mindfulness with Zelda Speaks. Tuesdays, Self-Self-Care with Jody Susan. Wednesdays, Repairing Broken Families with Naima Latif and co-host Kareem Hamid. Thursdays, Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And Fridays, Health and Well-Being with Viata. Saturdays, tune in 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time. First Saturday, Success Strategies with Jana. Second Saturday, Wendy Williams Esquire on Relationships. Third Saturday, Move Around with Deborah. And fourth Saturday, Wisdom with Mama D. Join us Sundays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time for Soul Purpose Healing with Beata. Call in and comment 515-605-9325. Press 1 to speak to the host and be a part of the solution. Joy. And I'm Reverend Rosemary. Join us every second Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Time, here on the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show for Neighborship of Joy. We'll have powerful conversations inviting women to walk in the light. So call in 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak to the host. You can also join us live on the Female Solution Facebook page and YouTube channel. We'll see you on the second Saturday on The Neighborship of Joy. Treat the juvenile. 
there's only certain amount of things that you could do. But it was just the thought of me um, arresting or being able to or having to put handcuffs. Um, oh. Yeah, that is very upsetting. And what do you think of some of the conditions that led to that? You said what issue? Yeah, what conditions led to that, led to them doing well, whatever they did? There's a lot of conditions. One is we're talking with uh, single mothers, single mothers who have to be at work, you know, father. So there's no nobody at home to supervise the children. Trauma. It all affects our children. Yeah, all of, of course, of course, yeah. Um, what, yeah, because um, I had a youth worker tell me once, well, I think she was she was talking, she was speaking, and she was saying that um she she um she was saying that the parents think they know where their children are, right? And particularly parents from Africa, some of them are working two and three jobs so they can send some money back home because that money is really really needed by their families back home in Africa, and they think that they know where their children are. They think my child is at church, my child is at the youth club, they think they know where their children are, but they don't. They don't. The children are doing all kinds of things that their parents are not aware of. No, they they don't. I didn't know where my child was. <laughs> I didn't know where my child was. When, when, uh, I was when you were a police officer. I, I didn't know where he was. I know what I taught him. I know yeah, what my yeah, so you didn't know where he was. But a lot of times, peer pressure is a lot stronger. You mm-hmm, know, so mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we don't. We don't know where our, where our children are. Yeah, yeah, which, you know. My mom didn't know where I was okay. I knew her schedule. I knew her schedule. I knew how yeah. long it would take her to get home. I knew when yeah. to go and run back in the house because I knew her schedule. Yeah. Okay, I've got another question for you, which is that I blogged about this, I think, a couple of years ago, about this little six-year-old girl who was taken away in handcuffs. Have you read about that? I don't know anything about it. You said a six-year-old girl? Six-year-old girl. She was at school, and apparently... She had a temper tantrum, and um, and the police were called, and she was taken to the police station in handcuffs. And um, yeah. you can hear her on if you watch it on YouTube, you can hear her saying, "I don't want to go, yeah. I don't want to go." And one of the teachers or somebody saying, "You have to go, baby girl," right? And her grandmother was coming, but instead of waiting for the grandmother to come to try and sort out the situation, they put her in handcuffs in a truck with a male police officer, right? Yeah, no chaperone, nothing. Yeah. And sent her off to the police station. Yeah, I did not hear about that. Yeah, that, that was all over uh, YouTube. Because really? I, 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 I was going to ask about that one as well. Because I, I don't know, mm. like, where do you take a child? Where do you take a six-year-old? Because they did put her in the police car. And the girl's crying yeah, and everything. Right. And they took her to the station, didn't they?
that's just not something that you do because that's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. What happened after that, um, after that situation, or whether anybody actually knows that the child actually went anywhere, um, mm-hmm. but scare tactics are not okay because, one, it's traumatizing. Two, when the child mm-hmm. needs the police, that's not the person that they're going to call. And I will say a lot of there are a lot of good officers. There's a lot of good officers. Uh, well, personally, my opinion is if you can't handle um, a six-year-old who's having a temper tantrum, then why are you working with children? Why are you working in a school? If you don't have the skills to work with a child who's having a temper tantrum. Anyway, I'm a practitioner of nonviolent communication, and I mentioned earlier the blogging carnival for nonviolent. I think we need to learn these skills. There's a lot of people out there, including a lot of parents out there, who do not have these skills. And they need to learn them. Let me see if they show the... I found the story. I'm trying to see if they... uh if they show the actual footage. Um, well, I'll bring this up well, because on Because it's screen. on my blog, and it shows the actual footage on my blog. I can't really call it up right now. So we're still putting a line on how to support single moms, right? Because what happened, you know, when the child had uh, a tantrum, Everybody, first thing they wanted to do was say, "What kind of, what kind of home does she go? Does she come from?" But then, other mothers got together and, of course, said, "What do you? How would you? How do you handcuff a child who's having a tantrum tantrum? How, how, how ridiculous is that? That's a normal childhood expression of frustration. You don't do it a lot. Children have tantrums. Children have tantrums. So, uh, but that was another situation where people." Um, uh, again, blame mothers, you know, blame poor parenting and all of that. So uh, here it's re- reported by Global News that the tribunal ruled uh, the race of the six-year-old was a factor in being handcuffed and restrained by police. Well, gee, and, that's a surprise. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry so, to be sarcastic, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not surprised at all, are you? Uh, what it says here, in the absence of any explanation for their overreaction and placing the applicant uh, stomach down with her uh, with her wrist cuffed behind her and ankles cuffed, <laughs> and you know, uh, basically, it, they were saying that race was the only factor they could see. And you know, why would you respond that way to a child? It made absolutely no sense. And, uh, you know, they, they, of course, human rights groups got into it because, mm. you know, they could see that this was something that is abnormal. Um, so there there was a, a you know, lawsuit oh, filed. And, you know, this happened, well, actually it happened, uh, this, this incident was, uh, September 30th, 2016, and so this this was something that happened even before the recent one. 
with a six-year-old child. Um, mm, wow. So, I mean, it comes to me as well as to do with the, the teachers. And the teacher, I don't know, they didn't show the teachers on the on the clip that I saw, but she sounded black to me when she was saying, you have to go, baby girl. That's something that black people say. Right, right, the right. The child was saying, so, I don't want to go, and the teacher was saying, or whoever she was, somebody in authority at the school was saying, you have to go, baby girl. Yeah, and, then that, and that was another thing. People were talking about the fact that none of the adults intervened to say, this is not the way you treat a child. So oh. that was another thing. Um, was that here? Was that in Chicago? Oh, no, let me see. Now, this, oh, this was a, uh, this, this uh, was reported in Toronto. I'm not sure if I'll be able to bring up the okay. sound. But it's about 54 pages long, and it goes over in I mean, detail the sequence of events that happened on September 30th, 2016. The girl was in grade one. She was attending a school in Peel Region. The decision says the young girl is black, and at the time, she was between three and four feet tall, weighing about 48 pounds. Now, on that day, mm-hmm. she was actually and Peel police were called to help de-escalate this situation. The officers placed the girl on her stomach, handcuffed her wrists behind her back, and they also handcuffed her ankles. Now, they held her in that position for 28 minutes. Now, in the ruling, the says the actions are a clear overreaction uh, in the circumstances, and as a result, the evidence supports the conclusion that, that the most probable reason for this action is that the officers were influenced by implicit bias in respect to the applicant's race. Now, the adjudicator goes on to say, I find, therefore, that race was a factor in the officer's treatment of the applicant. Now, we spoke with the lawyer who represented the young girl and her family during the tribunal. He says they were pleased with this decision. Winning the cases of this nature uh, is always difficult. Um, the, the nature of racism uh, in Canada, it, it's subtle, um, it's well, often not overt, um, and concepts like implicit bias sometimes aren't readily understood. Uh, so now this was a case in Canada, but we and, and, and the lawsuit found that the uh, officers were guilty of racism. The American case, and I'll see if I can find that, but I don't think they... I don't remember how that turned out. Maybe you can find out before the end of the show. But, you know, one of the things that happens when 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 black children are treated poorly by police, there tends to be a tendency to blame the mother for not raising the child properly. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why the child ended up in handcuffs after six, right. years, at six years of age. I'm just looking this up on my blog that you're talking because it's stuck. I've blogged about this a couple of times. Um, okay, so this is the first one. This is in 2020. Six-year-old girl arrested. No, sorry. The first one. Let me see now. Six-year-old girl arrested. Okay, that's 2020. Six-year-old girl arrested. And I think I've got the YouTube video, but it's not coming up at the moment. But um, it says here, first of all, I have blogged about outrages against our black children and other children. Here, and I've got links there. And here, and here, two more links. Um, and then I talk about the black children who have committed suicide because of bullying. And the mom who was banned from the school for her daughter attends because she confronted the daughter's bullies. 
And so this is all from 2020. It says, one of the questions in my mind is what was going through the police officer's mind? What was he thinking about when he went into the classroom? Put handcuffs on this little girl, let her out of the building, and put her in a police car. What on earth was he thinking about? He is a grown-ass man. Excuse my language, but this is what I put. <laughs> He's a grown-ass <laughs> man. Arresting a six-year-old. What is wrong with him? <laughs> and I kind of go on like that for a while. <laughs> but I think you yeah. understand how I feel about it. Yeah, oh, this, this, this is working with children. Florida. Yes. It was a Florida, was it? Okay. That's about it again and I added something about 14 year old Honesty Hodges um, the death of 14 uh, 14 year old Honesty Hodges and um, I said I have now watched the full video apparently the child did a temper tantrum then I put a tantrum a temper tantrum y'all that's some big ones and I put the teacher thought the appropriate thing to do in this situation was to call the cops the cops came and arrested the six-year-old girl, and as far as I can tell, did not even read her her rights or tell her the charges against her. And there's yeah, that, another question, why did they arrest her before her grandmother arrived? I will drop all of these links on on Facebook so people can read it for themselves if they want to and watch the video. Um, yeah, I think we have, we might be Something about uh, Honesty uh, Hodges, who was 14 years oh, old. Yeah, John, I pulled it up on, on uh, I guess on Facebook, the video that was released. I will. I definitely will. It's got a bit of this. And they got this police officer, the little girl's crying. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and Mother Tab had a hard time. Yeah. And me being the person that I am, out, that I was outside of a uniform, I was a mother first. That's the first thing you said. I'm a mother and a grandmother. And I thought, well, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. That's the first thing that you put before you were a police officer, before you were a counselor, before any of these other things that you did, you were a mother and a grandmother.
child that she ran into at the police station when he was a baby, when the mother didn't want him. So right. it's not always what seems, you know. The, the, okay. The, well, I've got lots more questions I want to ask you. But we're coming up to a break. I'm gonna um I'm in the studio now. So we're gonna have a commercial and then um I've got a couple of people in the studio waiting to speak. So I'd like to hear their um their responses as well. So we're gonna go now to um hear about Bitcoin. We all say we would like to be wealthy. But wealth isn't determined by how much money you have. Wealth is determined by your power to define what money is. The dictionary defines money as something used as a way to pay for goods and services and to pay people for their work. So how would you like to have access to an unlimited source of money? Money that is not taxed by the government. Money that increases as you share the opportunity with others. Money that you can use to pay for goods and services and pay people for their work. I'm talking about Bitcoin. It's the future of independent wealth building. Bitcoin is the new money that you control. Get started building your wealth. Call 312-849-3456. That's 312-849-3456. constantly arguing with your spouse? Are your children misbehaving and acting out? Is someone in your family abusing drugs? Have you been the victim of domestic violence? Are you grieving over the loss of a loved one? Let us help you restore serenity to your life. At Serenity Family Social Services, we understand that good mental health is a result of emotional well-being. Our goal is to assist you and your family in removing emotional distress and restoring harmony and balance to your lives. We offer individual, couples, and family counseling. I'm Howard Williams, CEO of Serenity Family Social Services. Call us today at 312-315-4820. That's 312-315-4820. Okay, we're back. Yeah, here we are. I'm back. We're back. And um, I've got a caller, so I'd like to hear what my caller has to say. Welcome to the show. Can you say your name, please? Area code 312. Uh, Your mic is open. I think think that's Andrew. I think we heard from him. Uh, You still have a comment? Uh... Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I had um, I found it very outrageous that um, young children are being manhandled by these grown ass men. Do you hear <laughs> what I'm saying? I agree. I completely agree. And if I was that girl's father, let me say say it this way: since I'm not an actual father, there are men who, if they were aware that their daughter got effed over like that, they would kill the man. Because mm-hmm. that's a form of sexual exploitation, BDSM, submission, domination, all this stupidity. That's mm-hmm. what that is. 
and it's utterly outrageous. And I'm mad as H-E-double-L about this. Yeah. It makes well, me yeah, ask. Yeah, man's perspective. A real man's perspective. A natural man's perspective. Yeah, okay, As thank you. I appreciate that. having a man's perspective. I do. Um, but you see, the thing is, I'm a practitioner of nonviolent communication, so I think we need to find nonviolent ways. And to me, to my mind, nonviolent communication, MVC, is mostly about prevention. So as far as I'm concerned, that's mostly what we're talking about is prevention because I don't see any reason why this needed to happen. I see no justification for this at all. What um, it actually is is an extension of the energy of slavery yeah, and say more. Say uh, more. white supremacy. That spirit is what causes that unchecked. When you have some real men like me and Dr. Robert X standing up, we're going to put an end to that. Our children being really sexually exploited and physically exploited mm-hmm. by these poor excuses of real men. Because what grown-ass man is going to take a six-year-old child in handcuffs? What the hell is that? Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, that should not be allowed. I, I agree with you completely, but it's not just down to him because there were other adults who were present who didn't do anything either, and they didn't say anything either. What's the demographic? Were there any black oil. men present? Were there any black men present? I don't know. Which is... And black mothers, black women. Like, yeah. As a mother, you don't want to even... You don't want to see that happen to anyone's child. Mm, That's right. It it looked to me like the uh, ethnicity of the officer, he looked like he was African-American. This was Orlando. Okay, because to me he looked white, but I don't know. Yeah. Hard to tell. I'm just looking at the nose, but you know you can't always tell the ethnicities. Um, mm. uh, some some aren't, aren't racial so much as attitudes. You know, if you're a hostile person toward children, because I've known a lot of black police officers that have been quite brutal toward young black men and women. You know, it comes down to what kind of human being are you on the inside? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are, you, are you self-hating? You know, and... Yes, I agree. But it also comes yeah. down to choices, because I believe when you know better, you can do better. So to me, it's right. all about people having the skills. A lot of our people, and not just um, police officers, but I could say the same, same thing about a lot of parents. Who do these men answer to? Because every man answers to somebody, and they can't just say God, whatever the hell that means. Mm-hmm. You yeah. answer to other men. That's what you answer yeah. to. Real men, faggots answer to real men. And when real men, real natural men like Dr. Robert X and I show up, we're going to put an end to this madness. Yeah, no, that is what needs to happen. That is what needs to happen, but as I'm sure you know, I'm talking about black people at the moment. We were taught from an early, from a very, very early stage that we could not rely on our men. I'm sure you must have read the Lily Lynch papers and all that kind of thing. It's about the emasculation of the black man. That's what this is mm-hmm. really about. Mm-hmm. Because well, a real again, man does not allow that kind know. of madness to 
to happen to his women have been killed from a very early age that our men cannot protect us and that is um that's what the the Willie Lynch papers talk about. Well, a lot of times that's what that's the message that young girl children get growing up in single parent female headed households. That's Things also happen. true. Yes. They're violated, whether yes. they're disrespected, there's no father. So the feeling is that men will not be there to protect them, and that's that whole host of other kind this of social, social problems mm. when feel unprotected or feel that they're going to uh, be violated, be be humiliated, be uh-huh. um, costed, be disrespected, and no one will speak up for them. So I'm wondering, the, 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 this child here, this trauma, both of them, the one in Canada and the one in Florida, you know, what, what lesson do they learn if no one speaks yeah. up for them? But I have a question for Kimberly. You know, yeah, a lot I, of I was just going to say, can can we please join in with your thoughts? But yeah, carry yeah, on. I, I, have, I have a question because you know, a lot of mothers, a lot of single parents get frustrated when the children act out, and I know a lot of people that will talk about, yeah, these these children need more beatings, and it, and you know, and I got a whole mm-hmm, thing I can yeah. about that. But Kimberly, what is the appropriate response when a six-year-old has a tantrum and is out of control? How does a mother who might have other children, you know, the house is loud, people are screaming, hollering, she's frustrated, she's tired, she's been to work all day, and this child is upset about some some little thing, whatever it is, they're upset and they're angry and they're having a tantrum. What is the appropriate way for a mother to respond when she doesn't have anybody to turn to for help? Yeah, and that's a big one. That's a big issue. So from being educated and maturity, um, I've learned that that child, that six-year-old child, that is the child at the time that you do have to focus on. And you have to try your best to put everything else to the side. Everything else you have to do, all the other children, the bills on your mind, all these things, you have to try to put that to the side to find out what's wrong with that child. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? We can ask the question and we can get a simple answer as if my leg hurts or right. I can't my dog. It could be something so simple, but that's important to that yeah. child. Yeah. Yeah. What's important to that child at six that can't find his Legos and we might think it's my new? That's huge to that child. So if we take a that's right, that's right, that's exactly right. And I think that carries on into adulthood as well. That what is really, really important to one person is less important to the next person. We all have our priorities, right? No. When I was a single mother, oh, well, see, I which a lot of our women are, a lot of our single parents and other women are under a lot of pressure. Yeah. But you know now that there's better ways to handle it, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Because no, no, the thing I like is, life, I believe that life is a learning process. So we make mistakes because we're going to make mistakes because that's what happens. Yeah. But it's important that we try and learn from our mistakes. What do you think? I'd like to throw this thought out there, and, and you all can tell me what you think, because a, a few weeks ago we shared um, a, a uh, portion of the book Conversations with God uh, by Neil Donald Walsh, and the suggestion was made that, and, and this, this came from his receipt of, you know, Answers when he prayed for you know God why is this why is that and the answer that he was given regarding families and parenting is that we we approach this all wrong we're thinking that you know sex has to be repressed until you get old enough to be able to afford children when in fact in higher and highly evolved societies it's understood that you're going to have a high sex drive when you're young because that's when you're supposed you're young, to be yes. So you haven't done anything yes. wrong. What's, what's wrong is our structure of our families. We're supposed to okay. have the elders in place to raise the children so that okay. we can be reproducing the children at the appropriate age when our bodies is saying it's time for us to reproduce. So because we don't have the extended families, because we don't have the elders that are in position to be raising the children, then we do all these other things that are inappropriate, one of them being to to, to punish people for their sexuality by, by you know, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of women who when they got pregnant, they got put out the house. Mm-hmm. So now you're a single mother by yourself, your family's disconnected yeah. from you, and you're yeah. trying to raise a family, you don't have any skills, you don't have any money. So that's that's dumb. We do that, or we make it so that that our elders are are far away from us, so they don't they they're not in a position to help because we're believing that everybody's supposed to be their own little nuclear family. So you're this right, young couple, right, you don't know, right, yeah. I agree with a lot of that, but my one question would be, you know, so, um, so what if what if we change our 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 attitude about families and reproduction and build families that were supportive of young people starting families early, knowing that they don't have the, the, the finances and the, the wisdom, but not expecting them to, because it takes time to grow and mature. But oh, yes, it definitely does. I make a lot of mistakes along the way. Yes. So but here's my question, okay, because um, I mentioned post-traumatic slave syndrome earlier. A lot of our elders are still suffering from post-traumatic slave syndrome. A lot yeah. of our elders are the people who would just say just beat the child because that's what they know. They don't have the tools. They don't have the skills um, to produce children who are going to be, you know, parenting in ways that are helpful and healthy for themselves and their children. So um, how do you address that? But I've got a question for Kimberly. Kimberly, can you tell me, please, um, what tools do parents, particularly single parents, but not exclusively, what tools do single mothers need to support the mental and emotional health of themselves and their children? understood some I, I could hear some of your question and some of it sounded muffled. She said what tools do do uh single mothers need the 
uh, to cope with their children, what you know, to maintain their mental and emotional health when coping with their children, what tools? Okay, do they need? okay, okay, okay. So um, <clears throat> that's one of the things that I'm that I'm working on now, and one of the things that I noticed. So um, I I went to a maternity school when I got pregnant. I went to Harriet Tubman Maternity School. I signed myself out of high school. No, the high school did not put me out. Um, I signed myself out, and I went to Harriet Tubman um, Maternity School, and that. I know that that's what helped me. Okay. I know that that's what helped me be a young mother. I know that's okay. what helped me emotionally, mentally, how to care for my child, because they taught us all of that, including sex. They taught they taught us everything. We don't have that. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. We're not we're not teaching our young ladies and men about mm-hmm. parenting. We're not teaching well, them about Well, what kind of tools do you think that single yeah. parents need? Because you know, not everybody's going to be privileged to go to that school. I'm glad that you had that support, but not everyone's going to have that. So what kind of tools do you think people yeah. need? We don't. It, 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 it's not there. It's not there. And a lot of the emotional um, and mental issues that happen is from the trauma that we face mm-hmm. yeah. in our families and things that have happened, whether it's abuse, sexual abuse, um, financial issues, or mom don't have the money, not being able to eat. All of those things are emotional. I don't have my, I didn't meet my father until I was 19. Wow. Right. That's the first time I laid eyes on my father. And, we're and I remember crying. I remember crying, where is he? Why don't I have a father? But I was raised as a young girl, like up until like six, thinking that my stepfather was my dad. Mm. And he and my mom split up. And then as I got older, I started asking questions. Mm -hmm. Why don't I look like you, mom? Why why don't I why isn't my complexion like yours? Why are my eyes slanted? You know, I started having questions. That and was what kind of energy are you getting? That was emotional for me. I got to a point I was I, I they told me like my family was laugh and crack jokes, Oh, your daddy he's still the incest on the train and this mm. and that and that when I would get on the train to go to school, I would wonder, is that my father? Wow. Is that my father? Because I didn't know. I didn't have a man in my house. And the men that I did have, some, that's when they take advantage of young girls who are meek Mm -hmm. and not and don't talk and don't tell, and you get taken advantage of. Mm. Yeah, that's really Um, terrible. And a lot of our young people, I'm sure, are going through things like that. Things I wanted as a teenager, I never did it, but I used to think about prostitution. Yeah, and right. that's what a lot of young girls turn to. I used to think of prostitution because um, I needed money. I wanted money. I yeah. said my mom yeah. could get it. You know, yeah. I'm going to school, and my friends have this, my friends have that. And thank God I never did it. But there goes me. It's 
trauma, I carried a child mm-hmm. with all emotions going to my child. Yeah. And then, not only that, I thought of my, my daughter and I, we were talking about this not long ago, and we were talking about it for a reason. My oldest daughter, she's 36. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it, and I said, you know, when I had them, I had to leave the hospital the next day. Mm-hmm. I didn't know wow. anything about being in contact. I didn't know anything about I should have been holding my child. I went home and had to come back the next day and get my baby. Wow. Yeah, of course. It doesn't just start in the household. It starts, you know, it can start at conception. It starts before that. My youngest daughter, I tried. I tried so hard because she was pregnant. I knew she was going through her things emotionally. I'm like, oh, Lord, we're going to keep this generational thing going. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what we do. And so... It starts early, and, and, and we have to be educated, and we have to be educated early, and we have to do prevention. We teach these things even in kindergarten about your emotions and how to control mm-hmm. them. Yeah. It, it's prevention. A lot of things we do are intervention. And not that intervention isn't good, but sometimes intervention is too late. We have to know the kids are capable of learning. They're capable of understanding, and I understand we want to protect them. We want to keep them from everything. We don't want them to know certain things. Certain things they need to know. Certain things they need to know. And emotional regulation is talking to them about it. Because it starts long before they're 10 or long before they're hearing the gunshot. Long before. We have mothers with mental and emotional health challenges, and it passes on to their unborn children. Yeah, I know. That's very, very true. That is very, very true. So tell me, what kind of tools do you think that they need? Because you're saying that they don't exist, but there must be some kind of thing that you've got in mind as to what you would like to see mothers have. I would love to see... Um, if I'm, I'm hoping I'm hearing you right, um, so I'm going to answer what I believe I heard. Um, I would love for a teen mom, I would love for children to be able to get this in school. Not just carrying around the egg. <laughs> Not just carrying around the baby. Right. About the emotions. What are emotions? Right, what right. are our We've been we've been taught to keep our feelings suppressed. Like we can't cry, you can't you we we can't do anything because we hold everything in. Mhm. And I've had to tell children it's okay to cry, cry, yeah. let it out. We will have a discussion once you let it out. It's okay, and that's not only for our girls, it's for our young men too. I yeah, I do. I completely do. I, I saw um, one day a couple of years ago, I was walking through my neighborhood like I do, and this mother was saying to her son, if you cry, I will beat you. And stuff like that just really upsets me, partly because that's what I experienced when I was very, very young. 
you know, um, it really upsets me when I see stuff like that. And I just think our people need to have more tools to deal with, you know, life. I mean, it's really interesting what you were saying, Naima, about the fact that sex is natural, right? <laughs> sex is natural. We all say, yeah, it's natural, it's natural, it's natural, but you're not supposed to do it. Until you get to be a certain age or you're in a certain position or whatever, you're not supposed to do it. That's not actually all that realistic, is it? No, it's not. Yeah, but if we looked at it as being natural and we taught it, when, if, if we were comfortable, you know, if our children would be comfortable coming to us to talk about it, maybe we can stop, you know, a lot of early pregnancy. You know, right. we have these conversations. It's natural. And, and, and you know what? We say that, and I taught my daughter that, and it's funny when, when she was ready and she came to me, I was like, oh, Lord. You know, I, know what the, I always taught her that, and when she came to me, my heart dropped. It got moved. I, I didn't know what I didn't know what to do. I just knew I wanted her to tell me. Now what's next? Yeah, yeah. What do we do next? And I was so excited when she came to me and told me the boy broke up with her. You see, all of that's part of teaching, like you say, emotions and understand and and helping yeah. them understand. It. Even when your yeah. body yeah. is yeah, giving you urges, to. you have to be emotionally ready. And, and, and I just hate that our that our our young men are taught that our young men are not taught it's anything. Not okay. They're not they're not taught anything, and and so what they end up doing is so destructive, which is why we end up with all these you know baby mamas, you know all because, these because they become. They don't know. Our men, they become our 40 and 50-year-old men. Yeah. You know, yeah, that right. now have health challenges, but then it also can affect your relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. you always have to be tough. Right. No, you're human. Right. So I, I think because we've made mistakes, we should be learning from them and therefore yeah. not repeating it's something that you said earlier, Jana, and maybe uh, Kimberly can uh, address this also. We love the ideas of our elders helping to raise our children, but the reality mm-hmm. is they do still, a lot of them carry that old slavery time, beat your child, beat the, uh, beat the spirit out of them, beat them into submission, because they don't know anything else, because that's how they were that's raised right. and that's how their parents were raised in the fear that's of right. beating. They don't have to be able you know, to do anything to different, because when you know better, you can do right. better. But if you don't know right. better, you can't do better. So, you know, a lot of them don't have the skills. And I've had so many people, I've had so many arguments with black people in particular yeah. over the years, over this very subject. People telling me you have to beat your children, we have to beat our children. And people telling me it's part of our culture, which it is not. It originated from slavery. It's not part of our culture. It's part of slavery culture. Um, But I've had so many arguments on both sides of the Atlantic with people saying we have to. We have to. We have to be our children. So what are your thoughts about that, Kimberly? Yeah. I think we were talking at the same time. Maybe I don't think she was saying what are your thoughts about that. That does happen sometimes. Yeah, you can only beat them for so long. I mean, what I mean you have yeah. those children who will look at you and still say no. Right. So they're still saying no, and they're five, and they're still saying no. How how long are you going to be? Right. It's not the child. It's the adult that needs to learn yes. how 
to raise that. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. There are some parenting classes that you need because what are you going to do? Beat them to death? Some do. Yeah, it does does come to that sometimes. It does happen because it doesn't work. with people who don't even want to consider that there's an alternative. Because I've said to people, just imagine, just imagine if there was a different way to do it. And I've heard people say to me, but there's not. So, you know, it's not like they're even open to learning anything different sometimes. I'm not saying everybody, but I have met this attitude before where people are not even willing to consider that there might be an alternative. It's just like we beat our children because we've always beat our children. We're always going to beat our children. It's part of our culture. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not, but what are are your thoughts, Kimberly? How do you deal with someone who doesn't actually want to learn any different? But then what do you do when that's all you know and that's all you see? If everyone in your community, everyone in your household, has done it, and it's passed off from generation to generation. You're going to think something's wrong with me. Well, that's because the problem. I'm... That right there is the problem, yeah? People... And you know the thing about it? People will make you feel bad if you don't do what they try to make you feel bad when yeah, you don't make you feel bad. Like if they see you reasoning with your child. And I've had people, I've had people say this to me because I did not raise my child with any kind of hitting at all. And, and I let her express yeah, her like thoughts. And, you know, even if she was angry, and she's a very mild-mannered person. I mean, she's she's very, she's a very peaceful soul. But she does, she is opinionated. You know, so now that she's a grown woman, of course, she's opinionated. more opinionated. And, and the conversations we have are as woman to woman, because I respect right. her as an adult. She's in her 30s. Right. But, you know... I've had people say, uh, when when she was growing up, oh, you let her say that and you let her talk to you. And, well, yes, mm-hmm. I let mm-hmm. her express her thoughts because I want her to know that her thoughts are respected. I respect yes. her feelings. Yes. And so now she's an adult. She's emotionally healthy in terms of, you know, being able to express her ideas without feeling like she's going to be slapped. or I mean, I've had people who've been grown adults and their parents slapped them and thought it was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And a friend said mm-hmm. her mother slapped her and she was 40 years old, you know. And I'm like, okay, why, why, was, why, why was that seem okay. to be okay? Yeah. That's yeah. still assault. You know, you can't hit people just because they don't say what you want them to say or they don't do what you want them to do. Because, like, like yeah, that's it. How, how long can you beating somebody and they don't do what you want? domestication. She was used to, that 40-year-old was still 12. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Beyonce talked about this, right? She walked physically. She walked through the door after me.
we suffered with from parents That's who didn't right. know any better. Yeah. But, you, you know, know and a it's, lot of it's, it's about reaching people who don't even think they have a problem. They might think yeah. parenting classes are good, but they're good for other people. Yeah. I don't have a problem. I just hit my child whenever he or she does something I don't like, and that's fine. Even yeah. Beyonce talks about this, and everybody knows me knows I love Beyonce. I think Beyonce is amazing. But she even talks about the fact that when she was 15, she was the door after me. When she was 15, she, um, she was in a shop and she heard her song come on the radio for the first time ever. And she was really excited because her song was on the radio and her mother slapped her. Because her mother said, you should be listening to me right now. No. And that does not make me happy. I'm not happy with that. And someone no, said, so would you slap your daughter? And she said, yes, she was sick. Sorry, I'm not really sure what's going on right now. What's happening right now? Children voices their opinion. Mm-hmm. I have a friend like that at my school now. He voices himself, he voices his opinion, and the first thing is you talk back. He always talking back, and his mama's spoiling him, and this, that, and this, and that. But I have to pull him to the side, and I'm like, they don't understand because yeah. you're that teacher standing in front of him who couldn't do that. Yeah. But his yeah. parents allow him, allow him to express to himself. Speak and express yes. himself. Yes. And then he gets frustrated. He gets so he, he's, he's like, what did I do? I didn't, I didn't right. do anything. Right. He's just being himself. And yet, like you say, he's around adults who were taught that children just shut up and do as they're told. Yeah. They don't talk. Seen and not heard. Seen and not heard. So I was in the, the, um, the doctor's office once. I was in the waiting room waiting to be seen. And I started having a conversation with another lady. And she was saying, that child is a brat. I can tell a brat when I see one. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I think he's just being, you know, himself, really. And she was going, well, I was brought up to believe that children should be seen and not heard. Because my parents were very Victorian, which is something I hear a lot from black people, and I said to her, um, how did you feel about that? Right, so you said not answer the question yet, but how do you feel about treating like your being treated like your opinions don't matter? How does that actually feel for you? I can't express myself. If I say something, I'm going to get slapped, or I'm going to get yelled at. That's, That's emotional, emotional abuse. abuse. So now, I shut down, and I don't talk, and I have all these mm-hmm.
Uh, here we go. What happens when a group of people are kidnapped from their homes, smuggled away in chains, and held captive in a foreign land where they are tortured, raped, and forced to perform hard labor by the lash of a whip and under the constant threat of death? Slavery, the African-American psychic trauma. What happened to the doctors, writers, scientists, builders, educators, and spiritual leaders from Africa's golden age? Who did they really capture and sell into slavery? Are all African Americans suffering from psychic trauma because of a conspiracy to hide their true identities? Do you have psychic trauma? Take the test on page 22 of the book and see. Order it online today at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com and get your personally autographed copy of the book, Slavery, the African-American Psychic Trauma. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. Okay, we're back. Thank you for sticking with us, all of our listeners and all of our talkers. Um, we've got someone with a hand up. I don't know. I'm not sure. Is this... um? Same. Admiral Nelson Bay. Oh, hi. You're still with us. Excellent. Excellent. Um, have you got any thoughts about what we've been talking about? Uh, can you hear me? Admiral Nelson yes, Bay speaking. Um, engrams are generated through conditioning, and um, conditioning as a matter of law. Uh, because, you see, we're fighting against satanic forces, and uh, we represent divine forces of universal intelligence. Make a long story short, Dianetics auditing sessions, I declare, are mandatory because we have to correct the psychological problems that people have as a result of being inappropriately conditioned mm-hmm. and uh, so engrams um, uh, metabolic profiling is something that um, what's that woman's name uh, Christy Dodson was talking about yesterday with Viada and just like she has this metabolic programming food for thought 
which is to say engrams what people hear, see, and take in through the senses, uh, needs to be um, likewise established in a mathematically quantifiable way. And, uh, okay, well, can you please explain, because I know nothing about this. What exactly is an engram? My point is that um, Dionysus Arling is something that Sister uh, Naima Latif knows about. Uh, can you um, chip in, uh, Naima? Can you uh, um, give a little feedback about no, the engram? And how it's uh, electronically measuring a person's response to certain things, and it's a way to determine if certain behaviors or certain situations will trigger a, a an emotional response from you, and you can kind of measure electronically, you know, just like uh, what they call a lie detector test, where okay. they're able to measure whether or not you're telling the truth. You know, you can also measure a person's response, how their their body responds, emotional response to a situation. Because we all are social beings and you have triggers that can upset us. So there is a testing system that can determine whether there are certain triggers that can create emotional upset. And if you wanted to have someone go through psychological testing, I suppose, to determine, you know, are you are you fit for parenting? Are you fit for being around children? What are some of the things in your life you're still struggling with on a subconscious level? You know, and there there are ways to determine that. I guess just like, you know, and and, and thank you Andrew for throwing the thought out there. Just like if you get ready to hire somebody for a job and you want to determine their emotional well-being, their emotional state, well, nobody does that when you get ready to be a parent. Uh, like Kim was saying, you know, you, you bring the child home from the from the hospital and nobody tells you what to do. And, it, by the way, uh, having a baby is not a, a medical procedure. We've made it into one for the money, but really yeah. babies used to be born at home. And you have your family around you, and you have your, you know, mother and grandmother and the the midwife and people who understood how to care for a child. We've lost a lot of that. We've lost a lot of of the naturalness of family and child rearing. And, you know, and like like Jana said earlier, a lot of our natural instincts or understanding about parenting has been destroyed with the infusion of a slave culture in which you were taught to repress the spirit of the child so that they wouldn't get beat to death. And and, and you're talking about people coming from a European culture where folks would get beaten for being in debt or not having money, you had public floggings. So this whole cruelty that has been infused into our culture has to be, like Sojourner Truth out, this has to be learned out. You know, slavery is not going to die out. It has to be learned out. We have to unlearn Cruelty, repression, meanness, oppression, sexual abuse, 
emotional abuse. We have to unlearn that, which means we have to Hold raise the nurses and stop saying that it's part of our culture as black right. people because it's not. It's not as part of our said, culture. As you just said, you know, we were enslaved by people um, for whom cruelty was just a natural part of life. I was just reading something today about the fact that at one time there were over 200 offenses that you could be hanged for. Right, and these wow. are not serious offenses. Most of them are not serious offenses. You could be hanged for coming out of your home with a dirty face, for example. Oh, if you didn't wash your face, you could be hanged. So this is the kind of culture that the enslavers came from and we yeah. inherited from them, but it's not our culture. We shouldn't for one minute think that it's our culture because it's not. It originated from slavery. <sighs> So we have we have to raise a different kind of human being. Now, one of the things yeah. that we we are are in the process of launching is a parenting class called Parenting with Peace on our New Earth Homeschool Academy online, and and it's a whole different way of thinking. And the premise is all of us are divine beings. We're all expressions of the divine. We're all mm-hmm. of equal importance, and we're all unique. And when someone comes through you, it is your responsibility to discover who they are and guide them through life and help them become the best expression of themselves. And yes. you do it with love, not fear, not not violence, violence. with love. Not violence. And, and, it's and, not necessary. And it's, not, it's not an appropriate way to treat someone. I don't really yes. use it, like using that kind of... Um, Language because it's a label. We don't really use labels in in VC. But if I say it's not appropriate, do you understand what I'm saying? Right? I don't like it. That's what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. To to treat right. people with cruelty, and I don't like it that we keep saying it's part of our culture. It's not. It's learned behavior. It is learned behavior from slavery, and we need to unlearn it. We all need to unlearn it. That's it. We need and, to and parents. We, we need to learn it. Right. Right. Because the, the the thought is that, oh, this is how it's always been. It's always going to be that way. No, it's not. No, it's not. Things right. can be unlearned. There was a time that people right. thought slavery was something that existed forever and is never going to end. Well, it's over. So once you decide to stop doing something, then it stops. That's so it. That's, all that's, we gotta it. Do. that's exactly right. So, Kimberly, coming back to you. What are some of the ways in which you help people to develop new ways of relating and communicating? And how to communicate? Yeah, what are some of the new ways you help people communicate and relate, you know, as as a mother knowing that we have to do things differently in raising hmm. our children? Okay, so in the school system, we, um, we're starting to use a lot of restorative practices. A lot of restorative practices, school systems are getting away from out-of-school suspensions, which is great. But what restorative practices um, does, it allows you to just have a conversation. You okay. ask the question, who, what, where, when, why, how. Okay. What is far from it? What would you do next time? Instead of punishment. And it's simple. But how would you do it differently next time? Even the adults, allow the adults to speak. A lot of times we talk over each other, mm-hmm. or we already have the, our next question in our head. Mm-hmm. When we finish talking, it's time for us or our 
children, we do all the talking act and not yeah, talking. Yeah, I agree. And we just need to be open and um, change our way of thinking and have conversation. And that children are human beings. They're yeah. not robots. They're human yeah. beings. And that's how we should teach them. So, just so give me an example. Give me a couple of examples of people that you have helped with this new way of being. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's what we need to do. But you, so we give us a couple of examples. I don't know. Can you hear me? You have to have an open mind. I sometimes ask myself, how did I get to where I am mentally? Um, mm-hmm. Because I do come from um, my loving family who still believes that children should be seen and not heard or the listen or talk about, you know, all of those things. And I know it came from education, going back to school and then surrounding yourself around other people, you know, that, <laughs> that are not in that same situation, you know. But... Mm-hmm. We have to have an open mind and know that just because um, that's how we were raised, that's how we were taught, that that doesn't mean that it's right. That doesn't mean it's the best way to do it, right? Yeah. And it's going to take confidence because stepping outside your family and how you were raised, that's not always easy. Okay. See, that's really important what you said about some of the things that can get in the way is we're doing things differently. And that is very scary for some people. Yeah, it's very scary. But um, if you want change, you have to do it. If it's not working for you and your family, your your nuclear family, if it's not working for you, you have to make changes. But that's hard for some people to do. Of course it is. It's, it's hard, especially when you're an adult and you think you've got it more or less sorted out. Forgive me. Can you hear me? Naima, can you help? Because I'm not sure she can hear me. Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? No. Oh, you still there? You can hear me, yeah? So, Admiral Nelson Bay, uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Here's my question. I had a question for Kimberly, which is I would like her to tell me, give me some examples of some of the people that she has helped. Oh, you said examples of some of the people that I have helped? Yeah, please. Are you speaking with me, uh, Mr. John? Yeah, hi. Yeah, uh, I think we got a little background noise. I'm going to close uh, on the mic there. I think I think he's having a conversation with someone. Uh, go right ahead. Can you repeat that question? So I think you yeah, asked. I, I asked you to give me some of exa- some examples of people that you have helped to learn a better way of communicating. Uh, oh, okay. So um, I really started working with children like 1994 in my house right now is a 44-year-old woman that has been in my life since she was 14. Wow. Wow. When I worked at the high school, um, I had a girls' group, you know. I didn't know I was doing all this. I didn't know why I had all these girl 
those around me, they mm-hmm. need it. And I have her, and what does she call me? She calls me mommy. Wow. She's 44. Wow. Wow. Her is my godson. Mm-hmm. His son is my grandson. Mm. I just missed a call from another young lady who's 44, 45, and we can school together. She calls me mom. Okay, so what I would like to know, please, Kimberly, is how did you help these people? What did you do to help them? Their parents were unable to listen to them. Their parents were unable to show them the love and the affection. Yeah. These girls yeah, so. had been abused. They have used and used mentally. They have been homeless. Wow. I took some of them in. They have, one of them has been, her mom was on drugs and was selling her body. Wow. Okay. Um, I've taken, I've taken them in, into my home, into my family, you know, and showed them a different way that this is not always how life is what you see mm-hmm. is not let me bring you over here where you can see how family is and mine wasn't perfect but they thought it was because of what they were going through right that's how that those are some of the things that i did and it's about five or six more young ladies like that who are now in their 40s and they call me mommy and people don't understand Wow. Right. Um, their mothers to think, their mothers actually think to it because they were not in the mindset to do it. So just showing them a different way, talking to them. Wow, that's them, amazing. That's them very inspiring. Happen to them and get them out. Talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. So just showing a different way of life. I didn't have much, but what I had, I shared. That's what matters. What I had, I brought them in somebody, and I took them to church with me. One day I had about 12 girls with me. We were on a pew at church. Wow. All of us at church. There was the old country buffet. They saw something different. Wow. We just have to reach out. We may think we don't have anything, but sometimes what we have it doesn't have to be monetary. It doesn't have to be tangible. You care about me. That's you amazing. love me. Yeah. You even let the word come out. We had a program with these girls. I worked at um, a high school in Chicago, and I did a, a Mother's Day breakfast. And so we did the breakfast. They gave the speeches. We did this little song we made up, and there were tears. And mm. one of the young
yes. so they, they thought they were going to make their children weak if they babied them. Right. So they showed no affection. Right. Mm. So we grew up with affectionless mothers because that's how they were raised because yeah. it was t- thought that life was so harsh, I have to I have to make you strong so you can't need affection. And for us as black women, we still have this, is what I call the strong black women syndrome, where we have this particular way of defining strength, which is to do with not showing our feelings, not showing our emotions, not showing any vulnerability at all. Right, that's, and, and that's why so many of us have emotional illnesses because it was unnatural being raised that way. We got a couple of comments from our Facebook uh, viewers, and, of course, Zelda, our Monday Morning Mindfulness host, says, Grand Rising, beautiful queen teacher, thanks for sharing your expertise. And she also, of course, she's preparing for the homeless tonight. Uh, she's at Obliging Care Network and Higher Learning Network, NFP, the first homeless gala benefit Today, 7 p.m., yes, you can pay at the door or Zelle Cash App or PayPal. See you at the party. Food, fun, open bar, 7941 47th Street in McCook, Illinois. That's uh, 60625. And, of course, you can go to Facebook here and go to Obliging Care Network. And that's money raised for homeless. You know, you'd be surprised how many homeless single mothers are out there trying to survive children for various reasons, like I said, People kicking out their 16-year-old daughter for getting pregnant. So where's she going to go? She's because she's doing something that's natural. In, right? In she's home. doing something that comes natural. So you kick her out. Yeah. It's yeah, very strange, this mentality, out. but I do think a lot of it has to do with slavery. We were taught these things during slavery, that you're not supposed to have sex before marriage, but they were having sex with all women all the time yeah. whenever they felt like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but Zelda, I gave you, um, I gave you a shout out earlier, so well done, and I'm wishing you all the best for tonight for the Homeless Network, what is it you call it again? OCN. Uh, the Homeless Gala, yes. And she said thanks for sharing, because there are a lot of teams now, a uh, lot, lot of them out there. She said thank God for a caring community, yes. Yeah, we, we, have, to, we have to be the village that raises the children, because there are a lot yes. of parents dysfunctional, like like Kim was saying, you know, sometimes you have to step in and be the parent for the child whose parents are dysfunctional, emotionally yeah. unavailable, physically unavailable. Mm-hmm. And these children yeah. need love. And they're out there on the street trying to survive. And yeah. what happens when we just throw them in jail because they're hanging out because they don't have a place to go? Right. That happens. Yeah. 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 So, it's, it's so I mean, Kimberly, what, the work that you're doing is just so important. It is so important what you're offering. And can you tell us a bit about your plans for the future, please? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yeah, your plans for the future. Yes. My plans for the future is to um, start my own private practice um, for adolescents and their moms. Um, that's, that's my future goal. That's wonderful. And so what will you be offering in your private practice? Because I could have done with that when I was an adolescent. I mean that. I could have really, really done with that when I was an adolescent. We desperately needed some kind of intervention. That I am going to do. One of the things I'll do is I would love to be at the hospital when that teen mom delivers her child. I would love to be able to offer counseling. 
parenting classes. Um, I don't know how it could be made mandatory unless, you know, I get with the state and the state mandates it or um, the mom wants to because there are, mom, there are moms, teenagers who want to know how to raise their children. Yeah, we'll have, uh-huh. have to get together because uh, there there's yeah. a need. And, and uh, I used to teach parenting at, at Cook County Jail where women lost their children because they had, you know, been incarcerated and their, their children yeah. were at, in state care. And they had to pass the parenting class before they get their children back. And I think that's yeah. still kind of mandatory. You have, to, you have to pass some kind of parenting class in order to get your children back from the state. So that, that's an opening for being able to teach some new styles of parenting. Yeah, yeah, to be able to teach it. I mean, because a book, they don't hand, I always say, they don't hand you a book with that baby. They don't. <laughs> and there's so many other things that happen after you discover that. It's postpartum, you know, yeah. if the women knew about postpartum yeah. depression. Right. That's not taught, you know, that this may happen. And, right. you know, check on the mother, like, two, three weeks down the line, like, postpartum depression and go off for a while. Right, because it's a, it's, it's a biological deficiency, it's a biochemical deficiency. You know, your, your body has been giving a lot of nutrients to this baby, and so it, it can affect you biochemically where you go into the depression. Like you say, nobody teaches that. So you nobody think something's wrong No, with nobody it. teaches that. Um, and in Britain, I don't know if this happens in the States, but in Britain, if a woman is pregnant... But otherwise, you think something's wrong with me. I'm crazy. That was the emotion. Yeah, that's right. You blame yourself. That's right. Yeah, and also there's a lot of shame attached to mental health issues and mental illness. We just had Mental Health Awareness Week um, in Britain a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of shame. We don't want to talk about what's going on at home in our families, all that kind of thing. We don't want to talk about it. But um. Um, yeah, in Britain what happens is if you're pregnant, when you go to hospital for the first time for your prenatal check, they test you automatically for HIV. So that's when a lot of women find out that they're HIV positive. And a lot of them didn't even know that the father of their child or their partner, whoever it is, was HIV positive or that they were even at risk. So this is a big shock. So on top of having to deal with the pregnancy, they're also having to deal with the fact that they just found out they've got HIV, and like, you know, yeah, yeah, it goes. It's yeah. very shocking for people sometimes. Nice. Yeah. Well, I guess we're about to wrap up. <laughs> so, Jana, uh, we, this is a great show, and anybody, if you miss any parts of it, just go back in the archives and hear the rest of it. And uh, maybe, uh, Kimberly, is there a contact number for you for people who may want your services? Ah, I can be reached at 312-203-54. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You shared a lot of important information, which is going to be of great value for for people, including my own listeners. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. No, it was no problem. I was excited. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. All right.
come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Alingato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujum, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessings.